0: Hello,
1: everybody, and it's Tim and.
0: Lock Sal from Talk Radio.
1: Hello, everybody. It's Tim and Sal from the made the mess podcast um today we will be interviewing Blake Taylor and we will also be going over our um, who should we extend the season so if you want to see who should extend the season, you have to make sure to you have to wait till the end and hope to see you guys there. Hello everybody and we're back and today we will be interviewing Blake Taylor and we're just going to wait for him to call in and yeah so Blake Taylor is a pitcher in the Mets minor league system we got him in 2014 from a tree from the Pirates that involved uh, Ike Davis and yeah so are you excited to interview him Sal?
2: Yeah, you know, he's a a minor league player that's in the Mets farm system. This guy will, uh, you know, be in the minors, uh, be in the majors in a a couple years. So, uh, yeah, we're both really excited, and uh, he's on now. Mm
1: -hmm. And he's ready to join, so um, send him in. Hello? Hello, Blake. How are we doing? Good. How are you? So, um, we're going to jump straight into the questions, and – So, you ready? Yep. Okay, so I'll do the first question. You were drafted in 2013 by the Pittsburgh Pirates in the second round. What was your initial reaction, and who were you with when you found out?
3: Um, well, when I was, uh, when the draft day came around, I was with my family. We were kind of hanging out, and, uh, we ordered the draft on the MOV network and because like a lot of my buddies were going to get drafted high. Cause like I played with Dominic Smith, Ryan McMahon, JP Crawford, Ian Clarkin, Stephen Steven Gonzalez and like all those guys. So we were watching mm-hmm. it because I, I just wanted to see my buddies get drafted. And then all of a sudden, like I got a, I got a phone call from my advisor and he was like, Hey, Pittsburgh's talking about drafting you. And I was like, okay. And they're like, will you, "Will you sign?" And I was like, oh, "Yeah, 100." Like I wasn't expecting to get drafted in the second round, but wow. I ended up getting a phone call from the Pirates asking if I'd accept it, and I, I said, "Yeah." And then my family and I were sitting there watching, and they announced my name, and I, 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 I was, I was pretty speechless.
2: That's crazy. And
3: my family was, my family was pretty speechless, and it was a, it was an awesome day to say the least
1: that's great yeah um so going into the straight next question um just one year after you signed with the pirates you're trading to the mess organization for ike davis how did you find this out and what was your thought process going through all this and just your first year at pro ball or second um
3: well i i was it was father's day actually and i was out out to eat with a couple of my buddies and I got a call from a Pittsburgh number and I was like, hmm, interesting. So I answered okay. and it was Larry Broadway, our farm director. He was like, Hey Blake, I just want to call you and let you know that you were the player to be named later in the Ike Davis trade. And, you know, it's a good opportunity. Like the the Mets are a great organization and they really wanted you. And uh, we really appreciate everything you've done for us. And that's how I found out. And, um, like I, I have there's nothing bad I can say about the Pirates. Like they're a great organization. And then like, I didn't, I didn't feel like betrayed at all. Like, I know it's the business side of the sport. I don't really have a say in where I go. It's more of like where they want me to go. So that, that was like, it was an interesting feeling to say the least, but in the end, like everything happens for a reason. So, yeah.
2: Yeah. Um, Absolutely. Uh, my next question is: Obviously, the Mets are, you know, a contending team. So, does that um, change your mentality or, like, pretty much how you play in the minors?
3: Um, no, it doesn't. Like, everybody has a different mentality. Like, baseball is one it's probably the craziest sport. It's probably the most taxing on your body. There's just so many things that happen. So, like, you just have to pitch to the best of your own abilities and don't try to overdo it. But your mentality has to be the same. Like, you have to go up there and try and get that guy out at the plate, just like the batter goes up there to try and get a hit off you. Like, it's a, it's just a battle, and you have to go up there every single day and compete with what you got. Some days you don't feel it. Some days you do. Mm-hmm. And it's just, um, yeah, your mindset has to be the same no matter what, no matter if you're pitching good, if you're pitching bad, if you're hitting well, hitting bad. It's just one of those mm-hmm. things that has to stay the same because consistency in this game is very very hard to come by, but if your mentality is consistent, then you have better chances of being more consistent on the field.
1: Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Um who got you into baseball when you were a kid?
3: Um my I would say my younger brother or my not my younger brother, my older brother. I I would go watch him play and uh my parents kind of just like signed me up and Ever since day one, I loved it. So, I mean, I think my parents and my brother both got me into it.
1: Mm-hmm. So, um, what sports did you play growing up other than baseball? Did you not play any other sports? I
3: played football one year in high school, and um, that's it. That's all I played was football and baseball.
1: Hmm. Okay, so um, in the past you've had a few injuries, and how do you feel is the most important way to take care of your body?
3: Um, well, baseball. I said, like I said earlier, baseball is probably one of the most taxing sports on your body because you do this motion that your body's not supposed to do over and over again. And like, I mean, people just think that we show up to the park and play a game. No, like we have to show up like pretty early in the day, like one o'clock, get ready for the get ready for stretch. Um get eat food and go practice, throw, do batting practice. And I mean oh like when you're home when you're the home team you have pretty much two hours to sit there before the game starts and like <laughs> one of the best things obviously sleep and rest and I mean it gets challenging sometimes when you have 13 14 hour bus rides overnight you just got to find ways to get rest and obviously putting good food in your body is a huge thing you can't go out every night and eat mcdonald's Mm -hmm. or like drink alcohol or your body's just going to break down but uh like you have to kind of obviously we don't get paid that much in the minors but you kind of just have to work with what you got make things make make things happen like healthier choices food wise and Getting the sleep you need, can't go out partying all the time. You need good sleep, good rest, and you, ca- you have to have a good routine. Like you have to know your body. Mm-hmm. Like some, like some people are more flexible than others. The more the le- least flexible guys have to go and stretch more, roll out. Maybe get mm-hmm. like a massage, sit in a hot tub. Like it's, you just have to learn what your body, like the aches and pains of your body, just know how to suppress them and maintain like a good form in your body.
2: Um how was it um pretty much how was it being traded from you know the Pirates to the Mets and switching the um you know the coaching staff you know how was it also leaving your former teammates any relationships you had there and you know moving to
3: New York Um well uh I mean I I kept my relationships with a lot of friends I or I kept my friendships with a lot of the people I had with Pittsburgh and every time we play Pittsburgh I basically know most some of the players and I know most of the staff and um like I'm I'm cool with all of them. Like they all they all come up and say hi, ask me how I'm doing and everything like that. Like the the guy who drafts me, the scout who was with the pirates at the time, he he contacts me all the time and just asks me how I'm doing. He looks up my stats and everything. And uh and then I when I came over to the Mets, like everybody welcomed me with open arms. I got I have good friendships here. I I know a lot of the staff, the staff and I, like a lot, like I've been with one of the pitching coaches here for three seasons. I've been with a trainer here for three seasons. Like I know a good amount of people and they're all like, we're all close. But like at the end of the day, there's 30 teams in baseball and everybody doing the same thing. So everybody in the minors knows what, what everyone else is doing trying to achieve their dream. So it's kind of like, kind of like one big fraternity, like, mm-hmm. there's a bunch of different, like, there's one, but there's a bunch of different chapters.
1: Absolutely. Sounds like a grind. Um, do you have any sort of pre-game routine you follow every day before you play in your games later?
3: Um, For the most part, yeah. I mean, it just kind of, like, sometimes it just changes based on where you are. If you're on the road, obviously you're not going to have the same, like, um, You're not going to have the same facilities as when you're at home. Mm -hmm. Obviously, like sleeping and getting good night's sleep, which can be hard, especially coming off Mm -hmm. for bus trips, but you just got to do the best. Like like I said, you got to do the best with what you got. Um, Getting a Mm -hmm. good breakfast in, like getting a good amount of carbs in just to get you through the day, get you through the game, good good amount of protein. You just got to – like I drink a lot of water, obviously, Mm -hmm. to stay hydrated. Mm -hmm. But um, probably I mean the one thing that stays the same Is what I do at the field I kind of sit at the field And kind of visualize what I want Before I like start getting ready And then I go to the training room I foam roll I heat up my arm with a heat pack Sit there Mm -hmm. for 10-15 minutes Plug my headphones in Kind of just lock in go, Go back to the training room Do my three pound shoulder routine And um then after that, I go with my catcher and I, I look over the lineup, kind of distinguish what everybody else, what people do in the lineup, and what to throw, what not to throw in certain counts with certain people. And then I have a game plan with my catcher. Then we go out, throw. I throw. I don't even know how many throws I throw. It's around like forty, fifty throws out there. And then lock back mm-hmm. in, lock lock it in.
2: Yep. Yeah. Um, well, so what pitches do you throw? And like, what is well? What do you think? Like your best pitches, or what is like your go-to pitch?
3: Uh, I have a four-seam, a two-seam fastball, a changeup, and a slider. I mean, yeah. my it just depends on the day what my best pitch is. Um, you know, some days I've had it where all all I can throw is a fastball, and like my slider's not working, my changeup's not working. So I just have to yeah. attack with the fastball, and then some. There, I've had a couple games where I can't throw a fastball for a strike, so I have to rely on my changeup and my slider. So it just mm-hmm. kind of really, honestly, depends on the day, like how your body feels and like how things feel coming out of your hand. And that's like another thing with being a pitcher. In this, is you're gonna have days where you don't have your best stuff. So. Mhm.
1: That's baseball. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
3: It's, it's baseball you gotta so, you gotta pitch with what the cards you dealt that day
1: yep so um <laughs> this summer you played with david wright who's our captain while he was rehabbing what was it like to be on the same field as our new york mets captain
3: <laughs> i mean it was kind of surreal like like you being like being in this game i've been in this game for seven years and like i've met a whole bunch of people I watched growing up play baseball. And I, I like, I've seen them. Like when I was a rookie, I went, we went and played the Yankees and the GCL. And that was down, that was back when Derek Jeter was rehabbing. and He came up and I talked to him for five minutes. Derek Jeter, he's a legend in baseball. And then like, I met Curtis Granderson that day. I met Alex Rodriguez. Wow. I've pitched, I've met Andrew mm-hmm. McCutcheon that like, there's just something about David Wright when he, like, walked in. You're just like, that's David Wright. That's the captain. He's literally one of the faces of the MLB. You're just like, okay. And then you look at the lineup card and you're like, he's playing third base. You're like, dang, that's pretty sick. Like, I remember watching David Wright play when I was a kid. I remember playing as David Wright. I played as the Mets and, like, backyard not backyard baseball like mlb whatever like back in the day on playstation 2 Mm -hmm. and it was just like it was surreal and and like i i mean i got a picture on my instagram when i was getting Mm -hmm. uh he came up to the mound and had like a little meeting with me and like that's that i mean that was like that was just a cool picture like i'm not a big poster on instagram or anything like that but i was like that's something cool i gotta
1: i gotta Mm -hmm. share that (laughs) So we got one last question for the interview, just to hit that last question. Um, has, Is there anything about your game you feel like you can improve on or are trying to improve on this spring training?
3: Oh, I mean, if you ask that question to every baseball player and there's one that says no, he's lying. I mean, just to be honest, everyone's got something they could work on. Like for me right now, it's throwing a change up behind and counts and throwing strikes and just, Packing hitters. Recently, I got moved to the bullpen for my starting job. So instead of going out there and throwing five, six innings, I come out of the pen and I have to get out there and I actually have to, like, get stuff done quick. You got to go out there Mm -hmm. and get stuff done quick, get back in the dugout. Instead of Mm -hmm. going out over time, like things like you give up one run, you're like, all right, I got five innings left. Like that'll like you, know, you give up one run as a reliever. Everything kind of goes out of whack. Like you just, just the longer you're out there, the less innings you're gonna get, the less opportunities you're gonna get coming out of the pen. So
0: Ooh, like, yeah, I'm just trying yeah. to
3: attack hitters yeah. a lot better and establish off speed better. So I mean yeah. it's worked out pretty. I mean obviously I've made some mistakes in spring training. Who hasn't? It's spring. It's early, but I mean for the most part I've been counting the zone, attacking hitters, and getting my off-speed over for strikes, first pitch, and am behind the count. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah.
1: Thank you so much for doing the show, Blake. Um, we really appreciate it, and um, yeah. thank you so much.
3: Yeah, no problem. Hope you guys have a good day, good rest of your day. You
1: too. All
3: you right. too, Blake. Thank you. All
1: right, so we're going to a quick ad right here, so we'll see you in a little bit.
3: Hello, Diamondbacks fans. This is Blake here from the Rattle Up Podcast.
2: With opening day approaching ever so close, the D-backs face numerous tough decisions concerning the opening day 25-man roster. In the bullpen, do we see Rule 5 pick Nick Green make the team ahead of veterans like Mark Zbczynski and Matt Andrees? And on the offense, guys like outfielder Socrates Brito and first baseman Christian Walker are both out of minor league options and would have to make the 25-man roster to avoid being put in the open market. We will break down our predictions for the club on opening day, along with other spring training news. All that on this week's episode of Rattle Up, this Friday, 8 p.m. Mountain Time, 11 p.m. Eastern. That's 8 p.m. Mountain Time, 11 p.m. Eastern. See you there. All right, and we are back. And we're back, so. (laughs) We're going to be doing our weekly award. No, we're not. No, we're not.
1: We're going to be going um, into our farm system discussion right now, and um, yeah, so we're just going to, I think we're going to get a caller in soon, and we're going to talk yeah. about um, our top 30 prospects and how it will affect our future. So, yeah. yeah. um, So, who's your favorite prospect while we're at it, so?
2: Well, obviously, you're going to say um, Peter Alonso, but, um, you know. Andrew, um, his last name uh, Jimenez. Or, but, you know, he's in the minors, and you have to question, like, a year or two, you know, once Rosario's contract starts to, um, you know, pretty much dwindle down. You know, is he your everyday stop? Do you trade Rosario? Do you let him walk? Do you bring him up? You know, I'm really excited to see him as well, too, especially this spring training. Mm-hmm.
1: Absolutely. Yeah, obviously, given that the time is up in the minor leagues or in spring training. I think he had a phenomenal spring training, put up one home run, which is phenomenal to see from our top, the second best prospect, who isn't even known for his power, which is crazy, but I think yeah. it's great to see guys like him hit the long ball. So, yep. um. Yep. Uh, all
2: right. So, so um.
3: Well,
1: the person
2: who was to be calling right now is, uh, currently, uh, Having some issues getting in, so we're just gonna jump into our uh, weekly awards here. So, um, Tim, we'll we'll uh, we'll start off with the hitters. So, who do you think is your uh, hitter this week so far in spring training?
1: Um, Michael Conforto, obviously, he's put up four straight home runs <laughs> in back to back to back to back games. So yeah, I don't think there's any discussion in that right there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but you really can't do you can't do much better than that. <laughs> All right, so yeah, I guess so. we'll
2: uh, we'll uh, move on right <laughs> to pitchers. So, um. Yeah. Who able, yours? Um, pitchers. Honestly, they've all been playing really good, but um, I'd go with Vargas. You know, the guys have been pitching great. Has this spring training around a two, two ERA about give or take? So you know, not a lot of hits, not not a lot of strikeouts, but honestly, in a pretty much a decently sized stadium like City Field, you um you know, um, strikeout pitchers. I mean, uh, ground ball pitchers are um you know strife here so.
1: <clears throat> mm-hmm. obviously, I think everyone's been doing pretty well. Obviously, we had that little scandal a few days ago where uh, Lugo let up all those runs in the bullpen. But um, other than that, we haven't had too much of a mess in the bullpen so far this spring. But hopefully um, it stays like that and nothing else that happens to the mess. So, yeah, who who would you say is right. your um reliever of the year? Or reliever of the spring? <laughs> Well, oh, it's,
2: it's obviously not Lugo. Um, Gazelman has been playing, um, you know, has been playing decent, um, you know, but really, obviously, relievers aren't really going to be your stick-out guy. So I, I'd probably say Gazelman, you know, just proving that, you know, being that nice, you know, second or third guy with now with Diaz. So, honestly, him and Lugo are fighting for that number two spot. I'd say Wilson is your, uh, for sure, four guy, you know, so I'd say uh, Gazelman. Mm-hmm.
1: I would definitely agree on that. He's the guy who's definitely trying to get that last spot. It was opened up by Drew Smith, who unfortunately got that Tommy John surgery. But, yeah, I think uh, yeah. Robert Gonzalez, he obviously had a little bit of a shaky 2018 season, first year in the bullpen. We weren't expecting him to dominate like Lugo did last year, but I think uh, he definitely had a reasonable last year in the pen. But I think if he adjusts to the role of the bullpen um, middle relief, that I think um, it will definitely be good for him because uh, obviously he's not going to get back in the rotation as it's way too clogged. And I think anyone who we have in the rotation other than Vargas is better than uh, Gazelman. And, yeah, I think if he can definitely pitch that one inning for us just to get through the sixth or seventh inning or even if Matt or, uh, Matt or Vargas can, can't get through the fifth inning, hopefully he can get us out of those early innings. And, yeah. So, hopefully, uh, he can be a big contributor to our goals. And even if he doesn't have the lowest ERA, if he puts up, like, around the 3.3 3 to 3.5, uh, I would definitely be pleased with his 2019 season if he were, if he were to do that. Am I right?
2: Yeah.
1: yeah. Um, You know, obviously,
2: um, the Mets are a contending team. So, you know, with the farm system, the way, you know, you play, the Mets have shown that, you know, especially in the Cano trade, they're willing to trade high-rated prospects to get a win-now a player like Cano. Um, like what is I'd say, you know, what is your almost I wouldn't say thoughts on that trade, but more of thoughts on the Mets' willingness to get rid of high rated prospects for players like Robinson Cano or just win now situation players.
1: Um I think I think it's definitely big risk we're taking by doing that, but I think uh hopefully it'll help us get a an least championship, but um, obviously Jared Kelnick. He's been putting in the work. He's a great player, under twenty years old. Gave away Justin Dunn, yeah. who wasn't supposed to be amazing, but I think uh, he could he could have been in a solid four in our rotation, maybe solid three. But um, I think I think that's the risk you gotta take if you want to be a winning team, and especially since we're in New York, we gotta be a winning team. We have the money to be a winning team that we don't like to spend, but I think yeah, um, <laughs> those are the risks you gotta take, you know.
2: Yeah, but, no, I feel like Brody, you know, with someone that he was able to, you know, he really did a good job. He, didn't, he really didn't make one big splash, which I think was smart. He, gotta, he distributed it out everywhere because you realize, you know, the Mets are an injury-prone team, so we need depth, depth, and, you know, so we need help in our bullpen. And he addressed a lot of problems. Amy went out and got a big star in Cano, but I'm more excited about Diaz. Um, but, you know, you know, a lot of people said, oh, why didn't you sign Harper? Why didn't you sign uh, Machado? I'd rather have these five six guys that we went out and got than just Harper, you know. Because without with with the rest of the money, you know, if we have maybe we could have out and got maybe we could have went out and got Justin Wilson, but like I feel like I would rather have a lot of depth guys and a lot of uh, bullpen help, you know.
1: Yeah, definitely. I think getting uh, Edwin Diaz is definitely better than K- Craig Kimbrel, Adam LaVineau, or really anyone we could have gotten. Not only is he one of the best relievers in my opinion and he's a closer who we've been desperately needing as we can't keep Lugo in that role. Uh, I think he's 24, I think, 20 through 24. That's insane. We have him locked up for the next few years. We don't need to worry about another closer unless he gets hurt, which, cross our fingers, he won't. He's only, he's under 25 years old. That's insane. That's why this is a great move. We can't. Like, Craig Kimbrel is a great pitcher. He's getting a little up there, so we would only have him for two to three years. I doubt he would to sign longer with the Mets. But I think what we did by training for Edwin Diaz, and even Robinson Cano, I know he's 36 years old. Um, His contract runs up when he's 40. I think he's still got two to three years good left in him. call um, him crazy, but I don't think he's going to start dipping in his career to, like, fat, like, 240 until, like, he's 39 years old. He's been killing it the spring training. He show no sign that's of a, injuries, no sign of anything. It. Yeah. Well, I don't know. The only thing with Diaz is, um, you know,
2: he's a, uh, you know, he's a he's a velocity pitcher. It's a lot of work on your arm, but um, yeah. So let's get back to the, uh, you know, the minor league stuff. Um, you know, obviously there was um. Um, this will lead somewhere, don't worry. There's um, a trade that uh, was just week, you know, 2016. Conforto, you know, there was a trade that was going to happen with Conforto for J.D. Martinez straight up. You know, again, that goes back to that win now thing at that point where Fordo played half a season for the Mets in 2015. You know, I feel like, you know, as a – um as, as the Mets front office, do you think they regret that now seeing that J.D. Martinez is, you know, a – you know, a uh, – you know, a guy that hit 50 home runs or won a ring for a oh, – probably if the Mets weren't contending, it so would have been a prospect in 2015 for, you know, one of the top, high-rated prospects. Do you think they're, you know, regretting that now? or
1: um, Obviously, they probably are regretting it. J.D. Martinez, top five player, top five hitter in the league, <laughs> insane power, probably top three in the league. But um, I think at the time, Conforto had so much potential. We drafted him in 20. 20- 2014, I believe. Um, Yeah, so he came right out of college, 2013 maybe. He came right out of college, so he had so much potential. He Four years, and he came in 2015. Yeah, he came in for that playoff run. I think uh, he – I think it would have been a very – um, what's the word? I think it would have been a very risky trade if we were to do that obviously J.D. martinez was a great hitter at the time, but I think
4: yeah. Michael Conforto's
1: potential was bet like as good or if not better at the time we did that. would
2: you agree yeah, definitely, you know at the time Conforto was one of the best minor leaguers um but you know t- um we do have um Gavin now here um waiting to be called in, so uh here comes.
0: Hey, what's up? Sorry for the late appearance of him. I'm trying to get in for a little bit now. So, yep, yeah, I'm I'm, uh, sorry, yeah, so what's up?
1: Nothing so much We're just <laughs> talking uh, about the, uh, my league system.
0: So, yeah. Anything you
1: want to discuss while you're here?
0: Um, well, I heard you t- touch on, uh, the whole Martinez thing. I mean,
1: I, in my opinion,
0: that, I, th- I think that it wasn't a, it wasn't a necessary thing for us because at the time we were focusing on youth, something that we've always struggled with. I mean, we finally now have some really young guys like Jimenez and Mauricio, but at the time, I mean, we had just drafted Conforto, and that was a guy that we needed to keep around because we, you know, even the younger guys we would have, they were pitchers. They were like uh, guys like Matt Sinegard. And the idea that we had Conforto and Nemo for the longest time were. Or shining stars, you know, and uh, mm-hmm. the idea that we kept them around—it's—it's uh, not—it's not outlandish that they turned down offers, you know. We, we've built around them for the past few years, and I'm happy with the t- direction the team's going. Yeah, um,
2: You know, obviously, you mentioned you mentioned uh, Matt and Nemo, and you know, career-wise, they've had very different success. You know, Nemo really had a breakout mm-hmm. season this year, and. Everyone also expected Max to have his breakout season, but he didn't, and he's been struggling a lot this, um, you know, um, you know, this spring training. So do you think after the 2015, um, you know, season where Max was coming off, you know, really good year, or at least half a year, really, you know, he had like a, a mid a low two ERA, pitched decent in the playoffs, you know, was really was really proving himself, and you know, you know, he had high velocity too as well. So people were um, you know, expecting him in 2016 to. Um, you know, possibly at the time that Sinigard wasn't, you know, proven a lot either. Maybe be better than better than Syndergaard. Um, Do you think um, we should now that we know that he's struggling? Would do you think we should have traded him if we had any, you know, decent offers?
0: I think that uh, it's always. I, I think nobody's safe. I think that's the mentality you have to have as you know, a general manager. But I don't think it would have been necessary. I mean, we yet again we're we're trying to build something. At that time, we weren't in a win now state. We were in a state of, you know, let's just let's figure things out with this young core we have. And I think after that, maybe, but I think that the mentality you have to have as, you know, as just a front office in general, not just a one person, is that nobody's safe when that we're here to win baseball games. And if, you know, you know, there's been a lot of uh, the, you know, controversy on Andres Jimenez on if uh, he should be getting a call up within the next year and a half. I mean, if he's going to win a baseball game, sure, he might be young, but it might stunt his development by maybe a few months. But, you know, for a win-now team like this, that's, you know, there's been, within the past five years, I think that it's taken a lot to get to where we are. There's a lot of things that you don't see. I think that we've gone through a lot of transformations, um, some good and some bad, and I think that we're here for a reason, and I think that um, everything's going to be fine with that. Part of it is just having trust in who's running your uh, organization. And ever since 2015, I feel like I've had that.
1: Mhm. So, yeah, um, yep. we unfortunately ran out of time for this segment, but um, we're going to go and do a quick commercial break. Thank you so much, Gavin, for joining the show, and we hope to no see you back in the future. So.
0: No problem. Thank you for having me.
1: No problem, Gavin. See you. We're going to go into a commercial break right now. Get, if can get... Hey, guys. This is you. Benson
4: from Bucko Booth, also producer here on this show. Just want to make sure you tune in to Bucko Booth this Saturday at 8 a.m. Eastern. We have a very special episode lined up for you. To start it off, we're going to be going over Elias Diaz's injury and when he'll be making his return playing time as well as Gregory Polanco reports are that he will be getting some minor league playing time next week when will he be back in Pittsburgh as well as some cuts uh, Clay Holmes and Michael Feliz and we'll be discussing Chris Archer's start this past Thursday and what that means for him going forward as well as Colm Rand in the first base job with Jung-ho Gong and Eric Gonzalez being named the Stars respectively at both positions. You don't want to miss it this Saturday, 8 a.m. Eastern, Bucko Booth, last episode of the offseason. I'll let you get back to this show, but do not miss Bucko Booth this Saturday, 8 a.m. Eastern. See you there.
2: All righty. And we are uh, we're back here. So um, the next topic we're going to be going over is the Ligaris and Bronxon situation we have in the and center field. Currently, you know we have McNeil, but he will pr- probably be our starting to basement with Frazier and Lowry out. So um, Tim, who do you think should get that uh, starting job, Lagaris or Bronxon? Okay. Looks like uh, Oh, wait, oh, I'm back, be. I'm back, I'm back. Oh, okay, sorry.
1: So, I think Juan Ligares should be our center fielder. I think he's the overall better hitter, the better fielder. Um, Broxton is definitely a solid glove, but I think Ligares is a little better player.
2: Yeah, but, um, you know, you got to admit, Broxton, you know, he does have, you can say, as good as a glove or better than Ligares, and he probably hits more power and around the same average. And, you know, Bronson, this new guy, new face, he's an exciting player to watch. Kinda reminds me of Lagaris in 2014-13 when he was this young guy that was made amazing at defense. But, you know, he had upside in his offense and he could improve. But, you know, you know Lagares did improve but not everyone was hoping for. Everyone was hoping for him to be our, you know, generational uh, center fielder. But, you know, things happened and, you know, we have McNeil now and we have really a stacked outfield, you know, so I don't know if really depending on how La and Broxon play, there might not be a need for one of them. You know?
1: mhm, but I still think Juan Lagarth is the better player, obviously, can Broxon's new to the organization, but I think Cam Broxon isn't just looking at stats. he had an on base percentage of two eighty one and he played in a good amount of games last year, like he isn't he isn't a great hitter I I hate to say it, but he's a great great guy great fielder but he's not the best hitter in my opinion I think Walmart's obviously he batted 300 last year but I think I uh, uh, no I mean obviously he was injured last year but he batted 300 he played in a good amount of games I think he played like in like I think 13 games or maybe fewer but he definitely showed potential in those 13 games and definitely has been showing a little bit of potential in these spring training games you know
2: well, you know, really, anyone can bat 313 games. Seth MacNeil batted 329 in 81 games. You know, it's, you know, it's all about can they replicate that through a, you know, can they be healthy? You know, the guards always had health problems. You know, and um, you know, yeah. can they, especially, especially the guards, 13 games. You know, can he do that it's sixty games? We say that every year yeah. when he gets injured or if he just gets into that slump. And honestly, you know, if he's going to bat for a high average, for not, not a lot of power. We already have guys like that on our team. Like, you know, we have McNeil who bats, you know, three twenty nine, had a high on base percentage. We had Brandon Nimmo, who at one point in the league was, you know, leading the league in on base percentage, and was also higher than Mike Trout. Um, you know, I feel like where would we put him? You know, Bronx, and I feel like you put him, you put him ninth, and you could, you know, bat him after the pitcher. You could bat Mace. You know, if worse comes to worse and our whole team is injured, you can bat him second. Um, you know, where would you, um, you know, where would you put the guys in your lineup?
1: I, I'm still saying Magars. Like he played in 30 games. My bad. Um, but I think Juan Magars and Keenan Broxton are the same player. But I um, think I still think Juan Magars can handle New York better. And for the season Juan Magars has played, obviously you're saying average. We have a lot of average, but um, you can never have too much average. To be honest, like base hits can win games. Like he he's had a he's had like two or three um on-base percentage higher than, like, 320-ish. So, yeah, so I think the Lagares can definitely handle New York. So, i say he should be our opening day uh, center fielder if we choose to put McNeil at third base and then we choose Nimmo and Soporto in, in the corner outfield.
2: Yeah, it, just, it honestly all comes down to, you know, Lagares can appreciate what he did. If he good, if he can, good for him. You know, we'll... We'll start him, but then even if he does do that, right, let's say he does have a 300th season, hits a couple home runs, and then around May time or more of more of end of April, excuse me, you know, John Lowry comes back, and, you know, McNeil played half as good as he did. Well, what do we do with him? We, you know, we're obviously going to, you know, the message said, McNeil is going to be an outfielder this season. You know, obviously, they don't want him to start at third base, but, you know, obviously with injuries and, you know, where players have, you know, where players literally play on the field. You know, there's a final at their baseball probably. So, I feel like, you know, let's say he does that, that, you know, that 300 that i was talking about. You know, what do we do with him? We have we have Nimmo, Conforto, and uh, McNeil in the outfield, who obviously I love McNeil. The guy just – the guy rates. The guy the guy comes up, hits off one of the, some of the best pitchers in the league, yeah, especially in the NL East where you have a lot of good pitchers on the Nationals and the Phillies. You know, and he played for 81 games, in almost 330. So I feel like, you know, there's really no need for him once Larry comes out. Well,
1: well, you could say the same thing about Broxton, to be honest. Um, I think Lagars could be definitely on the bench, I think. yeah, we don't have many, like, solid outfielders. Like, obviously we have – well, no, like, backup outfielders. I think – obviously we have Rajay Davis and all that. Uh, We have Keon Broxton and Juan Lagars. But I think definitely Juan Lagarce if he isn't the starter – and McNe- they choose to go with the McNeil Nimmo, and Conforto outfield. I think Juan Lagars could definitely be the first outfielder off the bench, or it depends on what the Mets want to do. I think Mets could do Keon Broxton or uh, Juan Lagars, but I feel like and in- for the Mets past, I think they might just trust Lagars with the spot. But yeah, I think um, yeah, I'm I'm really
2: honestly excited to see what they do opening day with the lineup, and especially you know. Let's say they do go with Ligaris, like you said, or they do go with Bronston. And they uh, if they play McNeil you know, third, I want to see, you know, two things, who they play, you know, Ligaris or Bronxin, or maybe they play Roger Davis and shock, shock us all. and this conversation is useless,
0: um, you know.
2: Um, and also, where in the lineup? But these guys, you know, these guys get a bat first over Nemo or these guys get a bat, you know, they get a bat seventh or eighth, or they get a big bat. Who knows? Maybe, who knows? Maybe if Alonzo makes the opening day roster, which seems like more likely likely every day, um, you know, as you know, they get they get about before or ahead of him. You know, so um, I'm I'm really excited. To open you and see what the lineup looks like. mm mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, definitely. I think uh, it's definitely gonna be an interesting call by manager Mickey Cowboy. I think he'll need a little bit of help from uh, Brody Van Lagen and what he wants to do with Pete Alonzo. And I think it could definitely also be uh, Brody's call who starts opening day. I think he'll. Pitching a little idea who he wants, but I think by by the end of the day it has to be in Mickey's hands on who does it. So I think I hope he makes the right decision. Um, yeah, I depends I trust on, him fully, you know. Makes yeah, I think last year you didn't have the help from the players. Um, he didn't have much help with the injuries and all that. So yeah, I think yeah,
2: uh, you saw um, you know that beginning part of the year where he does the players' help. Obviously, and everyone was healthy. You saw it. they went thirteen and one, and you know they went. They were, like, 10 games above 500 going into June, and they went 24 for 28 in the month of June. You know, you had injuries. Literally literally everyone got injured. Um, we saw, you know, Brandon Nimmo, though, was one of the few guys um, that didn't get injured during June. You know, that was when he really hit his peak, around, like, June, July, where he was, you know, where he's batting. his on-base percentage was, like, guys in the league. But besides Nimmo, mm-hmm. in, that, in that June, that June swoon, there really was... um really nothing bright about that team, but you, you saw once Mickey mm-hmm. Galloway had his resources, and obviously, if you take away the month of June where everyone was injured, the Mets were a above five hundred team.
1: Yeah, definitely. So I trust them. I, I trust agree. Them. Yeah. So um, so um, who yeah. do you think? <laughs> well, um, do you think um, there's a chance of Keon Broxton or Juan Lagarus? If do you think it's life or like? I'm not gonna say death, but like the opening day roster in the major leagues or triple A, do you think one will be in the majors and one will be in triple uh, A? Um, or do you think they'll one will or do you think both no, be in the roster? I
2: feel like um Carlos Gomez probably start probably starting in the minors just over I feel like, you know, just over I feel like Roger Davis will get that uh depth spot just because this guy hasn't lost a step in his speed and as fast as he was in two thousand sixteen when he was on the Indians. And I believe he was on the Tigers. Don't uh, uh, fact check me on that. (laughs) Um, You know, but this guy, he's still as fast as he was 10 years ago. And um, he's a a good death piece. So I think um, they'll they'll both start, even if they are on the bench. I feel like we're going to have a lot of outfield uh, depth, you know, between them two, Davis and um, Gomez. But I think Gomez will start in the minors. I think probably at least Ligaris and Bronx and maybe Davis will uh, be on the bench opening day. Yeah, definitely. I what,
1: think, um, what about you? I think I I think our bench is looking like. Uh, I think it totally depends on what the Mets want to do. I think putting it in my case, I am Lagar starting, making you know, at third. Um, I think we have Keon on the bench, JD on the bench. That's two. I think I think a player who's under overlooked is um Louis Giorme. He has a great glove, and can definitely put the bat on ball and definitely uh driving some runs. And has yeah. a great glove. That's three. And I think Don Smith. It depends on uh Pete Alonzo situation, um, but I think I for think. this case we'll put Dom on the bench. But I think and yeah, our and last the, spot, yeah, should be. You we're uh, talking about you know the yeah, bench spots.
2: Um, you know the bench spots is that you know obviously we need a backup catcher because Ramos isn't playing 162 games even if he's a perfect healthy. And you saw uh, you know Devin Mezzarocco Mar- now can be signed or, or picked up to other teams. You know. Do you think um, you know who should be a, who should be a bench catcher? You got Mezracho or do you have Travis Darno? You know, cause Travis Darno, he's a very streaky player, you know. But Devin Mezracho, you know what you get out of him? He's gonna bat two thirty, two twenty, hit fifteen, twenty home runs. You no, know, give you seventy RBIs. You know, he's not he's not anything great, but he's more consistent than Darno, who one week will bat three fifty and the next week got one, bat one fifty. So you know, who'd you rather have? as your bench? Um, in
1: my or, opinion around all my fan base on Instagram, we have all agreed that uh, I think it's almost a no-brainer. Like, it obviously isn't a no-brainer, but I feel like Devin Masarocco works so much better with the pitchers. He calms them yeah. down, works, works them inside, knows what to throw, knows how to call a game easily. He worked amazing with our Cy Young last year. He throws absolutely filthy stuff. Yeah. So, yeah, I think, in my opinion, obviously I'd rather take the less average. But he's a backup catcher, remember? So he's not supposed to put up these twenty home runs, or supposed to be batting above two sixty. He's our backup catcher. We don't need him to do much. We need him to come in the games, or and either come in the games, um, hit for the pitcher, get it on base, or if Wilson Ramos needs a day due to his knees, who what are um, almost worn out. I think he'll definitely work well with the uh, pitchers, and we've seen in the past. But I think. um, any last final thoughts before
2: we go into the commercial break, now? So? Um um yeah, just the uh, just one thing is, you know, Darnell, I feel like he's a young guy again on the two thousand fifteen team. Um you know that you know, he was again like a streaky player, but he was running the NLCS. The NLCS was a great series for him, hit that home run, you know, Wrigley mm-hmm. Field. And also hit that home run in yep. City Field, they put the they put the little band aid on it, which was really cool. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, so now we're going to head to a commercial break for Mm -hmm. our uh, Cubs broadcast. Make sure you listen to the Ivy this Sunday as we'll be talking about the Cubs' past weekend spring training games and how they've went, as well as the second base situation and who will play there, such as David Bodie, Ian Happ, or Ben Zobrist. We'll also be talking about all the recent extensions in the MLB and what that means for Cubs players. We'll also be having our third week of Cup of Yesteryear as we'll be doing Carlos Zambrano. We hope you guys tune in this Sunday. And we're back Alrighty. from a uh,
1: commercial break. So um, we're gonna jump into Jacob De- uh, Degrom's extension. So I think we all agree that Jacob Degrom deserves his money and we need him in the future. Am I
2: right? Yeah. Um. You know. You also saw Blake Snell signed his extension today. Five years, fifty million. My eyes. He was underpaid a lot. The race signed a phenomenal deal. The race have had a great off season, getting good players for low prices. Um, but you know, do you, um obviously you compare that to, you know, what Degrom wants. He's probably going to want around that length, but a lot more money, obviously. So you know, obviously, do you um do you pay the do you play do you pay Degrom in total? Um, let's say the deal. Well, so he's probably going to want around four or five years. But I'd say three to six is probably around that gap. Um, do you think we should be paying him over 100 million or under 100 million yes. for those years?
1: Um It's it's our Cy young. We're not going to um I was I was thinking about getting him under for under 100 million, but I think uh he's definitely going to want like definitely over 100 million. I think um he he got he had a great year this year, no doubt about it. He's been having a few great years. He won he won rookie of the year his first year. He won Cy Young. He, he he's been killing it ever since. So um, I think he deserves the money. Like, um, all these people are signing risky players. Like, who knows how Aaron Hicks is going to be in the future? Who knows how every one of these players that's getting contract extensions is going to be in the future? We have seven days to sign our Cy Young. He is not talking about any extensions after opening day. So we need to get this done right now. He's not going to even talk about contract extensions. Past opening day. So we need to get this done in the next six days, I'm sorry, for seven days. But I think we need to do this. Every other team is signing their maybe high risk high reward players. And that's the Grom for us. So we need to get this deal done. Am I right? Yeah, definitely. And um
2: you know, I'm excited about the Grom and his extension, but you know, Wheeler is um coming close to his uh the end of his contract and the man pitched better than the Grom the second half. The guy with lights out, 1.48 ERA, lowest in the National League second half. So I'm saying, you're saying, talking about high risk, high reward. I want to say Degrom is your high risk, high reward. I say Wheeler is your high risk, high reward. So again, do you try to tie him to a minor league deal? Because again, a minor league deal, excuse me, um, yeah, you know, contract extension. Because again, this guy is uh, coming up on the end of the year, and like Degrom, probably isn't going to be one of talking about a contract extension through the year. So, um, you know, do you think we wait till the off season, next off season, you know, and try to find him there, while, you know, while probably, you know, decent amount of teams will be going after the guy, or do we try to find him now or in the middle of the year, or do we trade him if we think that even if we are contending, you know, we're probably going to lose him in the off season? So, uh, what do you think about Zach Wheeler? Because honestly, I'm more keen on if they extend him.
1: Um. So you're saying we we should extend Wheeler over DeGrom
2: or no? No, I'm just saying that Okay. I feel like,
1: ahead. oh, well,
2: I feel like the one thing is DeGrom. I feel like obviously has a, more, a stronger connection to New York. You know, Wheeler's always been injured in this. You know, he finally proved his worth this um, year. So I feel like, you know, again, that's my whole thing. High risk, high reward is Wheeler, but more of a safety bet is DeGrom. So I feel like. You know, it's just that it'll probably be easier to sign to than Wheeler. Really, you know what I mean?
1: Definitely, I think uh, Wheeler will definitely. He'll probably want somewhere around like four years, forty million. He he won't more. He won't want more than like ten or like a, like a Blake Snell deal. Years. What? Like a
2: Blake Snell type. Of, I said like a Blake Snell type of deal, like the around yeah. there. Mm,
1: yeah, yeah, definitely. I think he's obviously getting up there. I think he's like twenty eight ish. He's definitely younger than thirty, I believe. But I think uh, he. I think I think four years maximum. Like I feel like he he's always been um under talked about in the minor leagues, so he's been working his way up in the in the minors. But I feel like he's definitely been earning his money. But I feel like it will definitely be a risk um if we want to wait till the off season. So yeah, I think there's so many players we have to extend. We can extend Jacob Degrom, Noah Syndergaard, yeah. Zach Wheeler did, Michael Conforto, Brandon Nimmo and all these other guys who could be good, like, anyone,
2: like, all yeah. of these, I don't know. Yeah, um, yes, you I know, think. Gavin also said if we have a young team, we should be working around that, which is true, but then your one thing becomes, you know, these are young guys, you know, um, coming up for Wheeler and DeGrom, and, well, we have a long time for Diaz, but, you know, a lot of these, you know, Syndergaard, say, this season, I believe we have this season, and then one or two more seasons for Syndergaard, you know, Matt is also be around the same time, we'll have one more year, uh, and then we're looking forward to over, uh, you know three, two years so and you know, and around that same time you know a couple of years, we're going to have a lot of free agents and um you know I feel like we should you know slowly but surely address problem by each not not waiting till the last minute. I feel like the, I feel like we should we should have locked up the Grom and ago after um I said 2016-17. You know, I feel like yes, they get injured, but you know, thought, you know, just extending anyone's contract is a high risk reward. And you know, those years 2016-17, the Mets were trying to contend, obviously, because they came off that you know National Championship. So um, i like, mm-hmm. I feel like I'm I'm also shocked they haven't they didn't sign him last year or the season for that mm-hmm. for Syndergaard and the Degrom. We I understand though, because of his injuries, and you know even when he did play, the guy was decent at best. The himself.
1: Yeah, I definitely agree. I think uh I think we should have made these extensions like earlier, I think last year or something like that. Um I think obviously if we can't extend everyone. We don't have the cap space. We're in New York Market, but I think uh I think we can extend a few players. I think we can extend DeGrom for that big money, Wheeler. And one of our position players. I think we might have to wait one more year for Cindy Guards. Like we don't know how he's 100 percent going to be. I think he's definitely a high risk, high reward player as well. Um, he hasn't broke out yet. Like he's he's definitely had that 2016 season where he d- did pretty well. But I'm waiting for him to like be a Cy Young candidate. I'm waiting for him to put like well, a 2.3 I, uh, ERA. It is blast. I feel like we're gonna like be basketball.
2: smarter to sign him as soon as possible before his breakout season. So let's say. For arguments, gotcha. uh, Let's say we find him ten million on the dot around the Snell deal, which we would give to Wheeler. Mm-hmm. Right? Let's say, let's say, you know, let's say just say four years, right? Let's say four years, you know, forty million dollar deal, ten years, and then he has that breakout season. Now, if this guy was, he might want to re- rework his contract, but the Mexican just saying, you know, no. Um, you know, wouldn't it be great to have him being paid, you know, ten million, but the guy's worth twenty, twenty five million? You know, yeah. Which I think we should do uh, last year for the Grom.
1: I, I, I totally agree with you. Um. Syndergaard, he could definitely be a great player, but I think you you make a phenomenal point right there. We gotta sign him before he breaks out, and this is why we don't give him a huge contract like ten years or like seven years, like Aaron Hicks got. But I think we no give one's him gonna like get a four. Ten years.
2: Oh. Who? I said think, I think no one's gonna get ten years in this. Uh, well, obviously it yeah. was a some big contract extension, well, yeah. but no pitchers are going to be getting uh, ten year
1: deals. Mm, yeah, yeah, but I'm saying like. I don't think we should go over like five or four years, or five. Yeah, I'll definitely. Say, yeah, because he obviously hasn't broken out yet. But I think if we can get him for extend him for another three or four four years max. But we like we we can't take too much of a risk on Sundyard. I I agree. We we got to sign him while he's cheap because if he has a breakout season this year, his his he goes from ten million to twenty five million dollars. Like who knows how he'll do? Like yeah. the ground. is no, well, here, no. one. like, A twelve million dollar pitcher. You know, it's yeah, it's Yeah, you know, the
2: the one problem is, you know, the mess between the minor leaguers and the Mets, which is smart also, not signing players for a long deal, about a two year deal, twenty year deals, deals three year deals, is coming up in these next couple of years. A lot of players are going to be low on their contracts and they're going to be bombarded with requests that, you know, these guys you know, why why go on the Mets when, you know, even like a rebuild let's say, you know, after um let's say the Mets are still trying to get 10 in two years and, you know, Jed Lowry is um they know, trying to leave, and he'll be around 30, high 30s around that time, and, you know, the Mets are going to be like, I'll right, we'll offer you, like, a one-year deal, you know, but I'm saying, and, you know, he'll be like, you know, but another team is offering me a three-year deal, so what's the point of staying with you guys when I can go over there, you know, and you can literally say that for any player, and, um, and they're going to be bombarded with a, uh, contract extension request, and, um, you know, they're going to start working on that pronto, and that's what they should have been doing two years ago with their pitching staff.
1: I agree with that, um, you, you, I think you know that right on the head right there. I think we should have been doing this a lot earlier, and I think I don't think it's too late right now. But I think we gotta do it right now no. if we want to do yeah. anything. You yeah, we can't. We, we can't go any later than this.
0: Mhm. Yeah. Mhm. All
1: right. So, um, do you think there's any black people we should uh, extend? We have a few minutes left in this section, so um, do you think there's anyone else? Who we haven't
2: talked about? Who we should consider extending? Uh, I think we should. Um, I have I have two. I have one that's you know very normal, and the one that's really gonna be a little controversial. I have Nemo. He's a fan favorite. Everyone loves him, including me. He's a you know great guy. Literally a great guy. You know, good on base percentage, and I'm gonna go with the second one with Ahmed Rosario, which is you know um, this guy. This year, I'm very excited to see him. Hopefully, he has a breakup season, you know. Hopefully, he'll – am i I'd rather see him – you know, he's hit a decent amount of home runs. Either, I think he had 11 last year, you know. Um, but I really want to see his average go up. His swing has gotten so much nicer year after year. You've really seen him improve from 2016. Really a completely different player, a lot more patient at the plate. You know, so I'm really excited to see him, too.
1: Oh, um, yeah, I definitely agree with that, I think. I think Ahmed Rosario is definitely the riskier pick of those two, obviously. But I think um I think we got paying before uh, he breaks out. I don't I don't think we should give him huge money because he obviously hasn't had yeah. the best major league career. But I think um extending him for at least like four or five years, that'd be huge if he breaks out. Like it, it's a high risk, high reward kind of move right there. Ahmed Rosario was the Met's top prospect and now he he he's not gonna be like Byron Buxton, I don't think. I think he, I think he's going to – I think he, one year he's going to bat over 300. I think he'll have above a 400 on-base percentage if he stops swinging at those outside pitches. I think he's just got to be more patient. I think he's got to develop. He only had one full year yeah. in the majors, yeah. and I think he's just going to progress into a better baseball player. Yeah, you know, he's a young guy,
2: obviously. You see that with young guys especially. They swing in a lot more. A lot of the older guys, you know, someone like Cano, He's very patient at the plate because, you know, they're literally older and wiser. They know they know mm-hmm. what – they literally know because, you know, umpires have their little almost blind spots, so they know what they, can get, what they can get away with. Young guys don't, you know. They have minor league umpires that barely anyone watches their games, you know. So, you know, it's a big transition. Um, but I feel like, especially with Donald Smith, too, we had that same problem with swinging. But the one thing is Rosario's developed. Obviously, he swings at a lot of pitches. Now, it's a big sixteen has also developed into a great fielder, you know, better arm than he had, and but you know, Dominic Smith hasn't done that. at least in my eyes. What, So what do you what do you think? Who do you who do you think we should extend? You know, I send them Rosario. Do you agree, disagree? Anyone in particular you like? I say Fordo and McNeil. <laughs> yeah, obviously McNeil, but it all depends on um how he plays. So um mm-hmm. you know that is all the time we have for today. You know, thank you guys for calling in. You know, obviously, don't forget we have the we have our um, Edwin Diaz shirts in the um, you know we actually have the shop baseballpodcast.net. Don't forget about those. So, um, mm-hmm. and
0: yeah, we
1: also have it. we also have a stub yard code for ten percent off. A promo code use BPN ten. That's BBN ten for Baseball Podcast Network. Um, make sure to go use that to uh, get ten percent off your order. And uh, yeah, so um um, thank you for having. Thank you for uh joining the show. Sal so, um it is it's great talking to you and uh, it's great having this new yeah. era. and yeah. So um Thanks thank you again once us, uh, again Gavin and uh
2: Blake mm-hmm. for joining us today. And um mm-hmm. yeah, so that is been... all the time we have today. So um everyone have a good night. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, new era. here.
4: Amazing Mets is produced by Benson Fector. Amazing Mets is a production of the Baseball Podcast Network. Follow Amazing Mets on Instagram at Amazing Mets Podcast. Be sure to follow our hosts on Instagram as well Tim at Mets.station and Sal at Sal.mosca5. For more Amazing Mets content, be sure to head over to our website at BaseballPodcastNet.com. Follow the Baseball Podcast Network on all their social media platforms. Instagram, at Baseball Podcast Net. Twitter, at Baseball Podcast One. That's P-O-D-C-A-S-1. YouTube, at Baseball Podcast Network. And SoundCloud, at Baseball Podcast Network. Thank you for tuning in to Amazing Mets. We'll see you next time.